Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today we'll be talking about ad blockers. So I'll be going through some stats on ad blockers, the impact that ad blockers have on tracking, the types of ad blockers, there are multiple kinds and how each one of them works. And then finally talk through how you can actually quantify ad blocker usage for your own site. So you can listen to some of these stats that I'll be going through and then compare to see ultimately if you match up, if you are higher, lower, et cetera, depending on your demographic. So stats. Super interesting here um, in the show notes, there's a link to uh, Backlinko, which um, I'm actually pulling a lot of these stats from. I think he actually pulled, Brian Dean pulled these stats from a few other sources as well, but uh, there's a lot of data out there just in general ad blocker usage. And everything is pretty much uniform that just the general percentage of usage of internet users continues to climb. And that's not just desktop either, this is mobile as well. So listen to these stats. 42.7% of internet users worldwide, this is ages 16 to 64, are using ad blocking tools at least once per month. That's pretty wild. Number two, 27% of American internet users block ads. So there's a really interesting graph or table that goes through a country by country breakdown. And you'll see countries like Indonesia and India that are greater than 50%, Canada is 41%, Spain's 41%, and then the US is somewhat there in the middle when you look at how the US compares to all other countries. One of the leading Chrome extensions or, or browser extensions, Adblock, they are reported to have more than 65 million users. And there's a bunch of these Chrome extensions out there. There's Ghostry, which is another popular one, but these browser extensions are certainly becoming more and more popular. And again, the stats that are both self-reported stats and automated reporting back this growth up. The trick I like to do, not, it's not really a trick, but whenever we've had these conversations over the last few years, if there were four or five, six of us on a call and we're talking about this and potentially just ideating on how much of a problem is it or, or do we need to start building some way to automate the reporting or quantifying this for all of our customers. And I just would say, hey, raise your hand on this call if you are using ad blockers currently. I don't think I've ever been in a general general scenario where not at least one person uh, has not said, yep, I'm using one or you know, my significant other is using one, et cetera. So use that trick if you're just curious next time you're having a meeting with four or five of you, just ask, is anyone on this call using an ad blocker? Chances are at least one or two people will say yes. There are also stats out there that is not necessarily the self-reported where you might do a survey and say, hey, answer the question, do you use an ad blocker? So some of the automated reporting statistics, they're not quite as high, but they do validate actually what we are seeing when we are quantifying this for our own customers. So some of the ad blocking auto automatic detection by computers, they report roughly around 18% of web sessions in the US are using ad blockers. This includes mobile as well. So mobile over the, I think this time period was uh, 2016 was around 2% and 2020 was around 7%. And obviously it's 2022 now, so it's likely up from here. 
But in general, this is that automated reporting that's coming in from uh, just general uh, laptop or hardware statistics. So that's a breakdown. Again, 42% of worldwide users as of, I think, 2020 or 2021 when the survey or this, this particular data came out are using ad blockers. Again, 42%, that's, that's pretty wild, and 27% in America, in the U.S., so with that, let's take a look at the impact on tracking. Now, if we just look at, if we were just to look at ad blockers in a silo and not consider other circumstances, it might be, uh, okay, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's not necessarily a big deal, but I think what we're seeing happen with a lot of our customers is you start stacking these different points of friction on tracking. So it's ad blockers, it's browsers that are uh, blocking tracking by default. So think about uh, Brave and the, some of the new Firefox versions where they give that ability to just block everything by default. Obviously, the iOS and everything that's going on with Safari. There's just more and more uh, of these friction points being stacked on top of each other. That's ultimately driving a lot of this uh, concern and just general uh, scrambling to understand how, where can I actually trust? How can I trust my data? How can I make smart decisions? And make decisions that ultimately are going to help the business not hurt them. So again, ad blockers, the way that we like to look at it and describe it is, yes, it does have a significant impact, but when you layer everything else on top of one another, that's where it ultimately becomes somewhat of a, we need to take a step back and just do a holistic view of, okay, how can we ultimately go about building our data collection stack to adhere to privacy regulations and legal requirements, et cetera, but also ensure accuracy is maintained across all of my analytics and marketing tools. So the to see actually for yourself, if you've never done this, if you, let's say you aren't familiar with how ad blocking works or just ad blocker uh, extensions or some of the DNS ad blockers, which I'll go through, it's very easy to simulate this. So if you don't have a Chrome extension, you can again, install Ghostery, that's G-H-O-S-T-E-R-Y or ad, ad block or others. And before enabling it, just, run a Google search, just search for something like rain boots. You'll see all of the ads at the top of search results, then enable your ad blocker, refresh the page or search again, and you'll see all of those ads are blocked. And then you can go to a new site. So go to, I don't like a weather.com or, or wherever you want to go to just a site that generally has ads, same thing, turn the ad blocker off and you should see all of the different banner ads coming in. Those could be from display networks, reload with your ad blocker enabled and you'll see that page looks really clean without any of those ads or uh, flashing gifts that are coming out at you so that's a very visual way to to see ad blockers just working in action and the more technical way that you can go through and do this is if you have the facebook pixel helper or potentially other pixel helpers installed you can go to your site with the ad blocker enabled and load the Facebook pixel helper so you can view in the activity. You might see an icon like a one or a two showing up over the pixel helper, but sometimes it'll say, you know, we've detected the Facebook code, but no, nothing's triggered. Or you just might not see anything at all. Um, you could also go to the Google Analytics debugger. So that's another Chrome extension. And you can look for events that are being sent and you'll see when the ad blocker is enabled, no GA events are going out and being sent either. And even one step further, just using the network panel in your browser, you can go to your network panel and enter any of your pixel IDs. So take your Facebook pixel ID or analytics ID, Google ads ID, et cetera. 
enter that into your search to filter down network network requests looking for this. Reload the page with the ad blocker enabled and you should not see anything going out. If you turn the ad blocker off, reload, then you should see those requests that are going out. So that's a very just easy, tangible way to validate and see the impact that ad blockers are actually having on your tracking. Now, this is where server-side tracking can help. And in this episode, I am not going to get into the debate of ad blockers shouldn't use server-side tracking to go around it uh, or potentially any other thoughts on that. I'm just going to state the, the facts here. And server-side tracking, let's say you're using a GTM server-side container or potentially an Elevar customer or potentially using another service. What you can do is actually see those requests. So if, if I'll just use a GTM server-side example, and let's say, um, and it's going to be easiest for me just to use Elevar here. Let's say you are routing data from the LLVAR data layer and then different activities to your own GTM server-side container. Using that network request, you can actually see, looking at the network request, that uh, particular request. So think like a product page view or page view or add to cart. You can see that request going out to your server-side container. And then your server-side container could pick that up and send it off to um, a different channel that you might have, uh, might have integrated. And generally, your server-side container is going to have a subdomain. So it's going to be you know, whatever's your subdomain. So ssapi.getelevar.com or whatever it might be. You can see that request. And that's, quote, unquote, your intra-domain kind of first-party-ish uh, with it, if you consider your subdomain. But in general, you're passing data from your primary domain to your subdomain. And then if you uh, compare that with, with Elevar, with our fully managed option, you can do the same thing. Just look at your net network request and then just search for slash Elevar. So it'd be you know, yourdomain.com slash Elevar, and that's using, using what's called a Shopify app proxy to ultimately route that data through our different integrations. And you can actually, this is where, if you haven't listened to our client-side versus server-side podcast, I highly recommend listening to that one for a deeper dive with Thomas, our VP of engineering, and I just going through the nuances of client-side versus server-side tracking. But with server-side tracking, you can be very explicit in what you are sending, or actually what you're collecting and what you're sending. So if you are using the consent mode variable that's in the LLVAR data layer that will listen to, for example, a Shopify privacy API. So if somebody is, is, has not opted in, then that would be that would, re, would return false. And that's ultimately passed and available to all of the different server-side integrations. So then it's your choice to you know, block that from, from going to a particular channel or you know doing whatever you want to do with it so that's a little bit of an overview on the impact on tracking with ad blockers again you can just see it with your own eyes just enable enable the ad blocker in a chrome extension and you can do those different activities to see what's being passed and what's not being passed now let's talk through the types of ad blockers and there are many different versions and i don't certainly claim to be an expert on ad blockers and all of all of, all of the nuances of those but i'm going to go through a couple of the main ones that are the most popular so in general the way that ad blockers work is they are filtering rules so a rule could be a a particular JavaScript that's loading from a domain. So think google-analytics.com or potentially a subfolder. So looking at like an analytics.gif or anything else where it might have a different extension or a, a image, like an image or GIF that's ultimately loading loading some data and trying to pass it to another, another third-party domain. 
So ad blockers are looking so that they have a set of rules. So if there's a request that's coming from googleanalytics.com and it matches a rule as a rule that it's going to block that request by default, then if that ad blocker is enabled, it'll block all requests going to googleanalytics.com. And this is essentially the same way it works for hiding content on a page as well. So if there are ads that are being served and ultimately being inserted into the page dynamically, those ultimately will no longer work because of the same concept of a particular domain is being blocked from essentially any activity uh, that it could produce on that page. So the ad blocker is going to look at the site scripts. So again, think about a page loading and all the different JavaScript and third-party scripts that are loading. The ad blocker will look at those, the domains, or just the, the full string, the full URL string, compare them with a list of sites, of scripts that the ad blocker ultimately wants to block, and it'll block them. So it's, it's pretty much that simple. It's a, it's a little bit more complicated, but that's simple. Just think there's a, white, or a, a, a list that the ad blocker is ultimately going to check to see if it should block any of the tracking or activity associated with that. So there are a bunch of different lists, public lists out there. Again, in the show notes, I have an easylist.to that you can go to, and there's a couple different lists. So you can see they have their list for trackers. They have their list for uh, privacy blockers. So there are some ad blockers that'll even block any of the GDPR prompts. So they're going to block OneTrust and CookieBot and any of these other overlays that'll happen on site. So they'll just block all of those by default. So the back to the type. So there's just two two primary types that I'll go uh, that I'll go through on this. And one is going to be the browser extension. So again, the ghostery, ad block, etc. You simply install like any other extension. So I think I've said Chrome extension, but there are other browsers besides Chrome. Uh, but so browser extensions, the you install them, and when they're enabled, they will block and actually show you what they're blocking. And you can do things like pause it choose to override where certain you, you might want certain things to load. Uh, the one thing that ad blockers, they're never really at this point not going to block is anything tied to your specific domain, because if they're blocking a, a yourdomain.com.javascript or you know, slash file.javascript, your site just won't function and won't load. So there, there, are, there have been cases reported where some ad blockers are really aggressive and they have caused and they'll actually state like, hey, we might break sites that you're trying to browse. So if the site looks broken, check the, uh, the check our extension. You might need to you know, override or, or disable it for that particular site. But that's, again, one of the reasons why moving a lot of your tracking to your first party domain context can just help you have just more total control over on what you're tracking, et cetera. So again, browser extensions, Chrome extensions, that's the most common. And then there's other DNS level Ad blockers. So the most common one is Pihole. That's P-I-H-O-L-E. That's another one. And this is really foolproof. It's just think about like your modem or router. That's essentially where this ad blocker is going to live and it's outside of your browser, et cetera. So it's really automated. It's it's uh it blocks everything. It's it's almost as foolproof as you can get. So those are the two, I'd say, primary ad blockers that at least we're aware in, in our world of e-commerce and Shopify analytics, there are likely others and will be others. And obviously mobile, I didn't get into any specifics on mobile, but that is another growing area where obviously there's so much traffic on mobile these days that's happening as well. So now we've gone through 
the stats on ad blockers, so the global stats we've gone through with the impact on tracking the types of ad blockers and how they work at a very 30,000 foot view perspective. Now I'm going to share how you can quantify ad blocker usage for your own site. So I'm going to start with a story. So we first did this back in 2020 when we had a, a couple of customers, but one in particular that had been a longtime customer at that point, and they were just really concerned with the growing discrepancies in missing transactions in Google Analytics. And it was they're consistently seeing 15 to 20% missing uh, transactions. And at that point, they were just using, I think, the native Shopify GA integration. And we'd even set up a, a client side, so GTM web container to run in parallel to compare, which didn't really drive that much of a difference. So at that point, this was right around when the server-side container launched for GTM. And we came up with a way to essentially spoof ad blockers to allow us to tra track the ad blocker usage. So it's somewhat inception a bit the way I'm, I'm going to describe it, but it, uh, it ultimately helped validate at least for this customer. And we've done it for many others since then. But essentially, we we'd have a piece of JavaScript that we would add in this case to the thank you page. So the, the uh, order thank you page after just a normal online store transaction. And the script will add three different images to the DOM. And we are checking to see if the URLs of these images have been blocked. So the three different images, one was, uh, again, a fake image. So we, we, if you go back to the way that ad blockers work, we grabbed an analytics uh, image, so like a .gif. We grabbed one that was specific to Tag Manager and I think another, so just another third variation of a tracker. So essentially what we're doing is we were loading, ultimately trying to load these three invisible images on a thank you page. And if they were blocked, so if they did not load, and, and by this not loading, it just didn't have a width when that page finished rendering, then would determine that that image was being blocked by an ad blocker. So what we would do from there, so when we did detect that, that one of one or all three of the images were blocked, we would actually send an event to the server-side container. So again, think about we're on yourdomain.com. We sent an image. This is where it gets to be a little bit inception. But we sent an image to an image request to us, you know, ssapi.yourdomain.com. And it was formatted in a way for the measurement protocol API, so the built-in client in the server-side container to accept that request. And at that point in the server-side container, we would, we would actually send that event. So we'd, we would take that data and then we'd send it back to that customer's Google Analytics account. So it was a... We were using ultimately analytics to track for blocking of analytics, and we were able to accomplish that by going through looking for uh, spoofing those images, looking to see if they're blocked, sending them to essentially a subdomain of that customer's site, which was ultimately a server-side container, and then that whole analytics request was happening outside the browser, so it wasn't in a realm where these ad blockers could get it. So we ultimately were able to prove out for this customer that we were seeing it was it actually was pretty crazy just tracking the data over many months where some days we would see 10%, some would be up to 25% of percentage of orders that were ultimately blocked by transaction or by uh, sessions is the way I should describe it because we can't really truly validate, but sessions that placed an order, we were seeing a 10 to 25% of the time that 
this ad blocker uh, event was triggered. And we are specifically looking for tracking was blocked or GTM was blocked or both were blocked. So it was ultimately just trying to spoof and quantify for this customer. More recently in 2022, we had a another customer that was concerned they were missing a significant amount of traffic in Google Analytics. And this isn't necessarily an un- uncommon, but I think for uh, this customer, it was we're just really, really concerned that GA was significantly underreporting. And their logic was they were just looking at clicks and ad platforms and sessions in GA. And, and this was uh, not just clicks on an ad, but clicks, uh, website clicks, depends on what platform, but essentially clicks that were going to the website. And there was such a large discrepancy that they just really wanted to try to get to the root of is GA underreporting? Is GA broken? Are there setup issues, configuration issues, et cetera? So we went through with, with them, same process, and did the ad blocker quant- quantification. For them, it was really high. It was like 30 to 40%. We we're seeing um, of 100 sessions, 30 to 40% were triggering this event that was saying, hey, we detected an ad blocker or we detected that GTM was blocked. So for the next step with this particular customer, we went through and set up a parallel server-side only property and we routed all events, so all page views, everything we are routing through the server-side container. So we are essentially uh, picking up data, picking up activity on the site, sending it straight to their subdomain, which was connected to their server-side container. And then just, again, uh, transactions are going through our webhook integration. Um, ultimately, what we end up seeing, very similar to what we saw with the customer back in 2020, is the server-side property was collecting roughly 30% more sessions and users than the main default property. So in this case, the the customer's intuition was right. It wasn't necessarily that GA was broken. It was just a matter and a a fact that we're all living, that there is just so much friction happening on tracking these days that unless you are have gone through a very meticulous and robust setup with how you collect data across all of your platforms, it's most are just not living in that 100% uh, realm that five to 10 years ago where you just copy and paste integration or plug in your analytics ID in a Shopify setting or even use Tag Manager or copy a script at the top of your theme.liquid and you can get you know, 98%, 99% accuracy. That just doesn't happen these days. So that is today's episode on ad blockers. This is an area that will be continued to monitor and quantify and, and share some of these stats as things change and ultimately provide more guides and guidance on how you can implement tracking while respecting your uh, user's privacy wishes, respecting legal compliance, GD, GDPR compliance, CCPA compliance, et cetera, and ultimately anything else that'll come out in the next three to four months because chances are something new will come out the way that uh, tracking is evolving and privacy is evolving as well. If you have any questions or feedback, shoot me an email, brad at getelevar.com, and I will see you on our next episode. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or a review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. 
And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.